When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Who's going to be first to here with First of the Floor. Thanks for joining us. Hope you're doing well. Alongside me, as always, is Jake Eisenberg. Jake, how's it going, buddy? I'm good. I'm refreshing. I'm, I'm trying to, you know, beat, do my inner Kristaps. Imagine I'm in Miami on the beach, relaxing, <laughs> resting in that ankle. Yeah, yeah. Jacked exactly. and tanned. That's right. That's me, Jacked and tanned. <laughs> I love it. Well, look, we've got a very special guest tonight joining us to wrap up All-Star Weekend and talk about the most important factors for the Celtics' upcoming stretch run. He's the play-by-play announcer for the Boston Celtics with NBC Sports Boston, Drew Carter. Drew, welcome, man. How's it going? What's up, fellas? Great to see you again. Thanks for having me back on. I think this is my first podcast I've done multiple times. That's um, right. There you go. Celtics track. So let's go. We were, we were hoping to get you as the pendulum swung backwards as you started to go another lap around the pod circuit. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that's the case. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're sure. getting, yeah. I apologize if I'm a little tired. I'm, I'm in Bristol, Connecticut this week doing the morning sports center. Um, so I was up at about 1.15 a.m. Eastern wow. today. Yeah, Shit. to make a two-hour drive from Boston to Bristol. I'm staying here now. And uh, I was telling you guys before we started, every time I do sports center, we talk about the Celtics. It's not a coincidence, and it's not because I'm doing it. It's because we're the best. <laughs> we're good. We're one. It's what we love to hear. Well, yeah. look, obviously, you're not in Boston at the moment, Drew, but you did move there recently. How are you settling into life as a Bostonian? Life is good, man. I mean, I, I feel incredibly lucky, same as the last time we spoke. You know, that has not worn off, and I, I hope it never does, frankly. Um, I tell Mike Gorman I'm coming for his mark. I, I'd love to get to 44 years or maybe yeah. even more than that. I, you know, I... I say that partially in jest, but it's true. I think this is a lifetime job, and I, I never want to leave it. I, I want to retire as as the play-by-play guy for the Celtics, and I think that I'd be really lucky if I could do that. And I feel like I'm starting to have a few like welcome to Boston moments. Um, can we swear on this podcast? I can't remember. Is that allowed? Absolutely. Fuck yes. Yeah. It's encouraged, right, if anything. Good, good. Okay. So I was walking up the stands at the Garden. This was a couple weeks ago. And, you know, People like people at the garden generally are pretty diehard. So I, I get recognized a lot. People ask for photos, which is awesome. Um, and I'm always happy to do it. I so it's kind of surreal. But a guy, uh, a guy stops me. He goes, dude, you're doing a great fucking job. Kid. <laughs> dude. Uh, and that was awesome. And then that was I was a couple weeks after a guy, a guy from behind me. I just hear 
new announcer. New announcer, Drew Cotta. Taking <laughs> a photo, dude. And it's like, this is perfect. I feel like I'm in an SNL sketch. So I, I love it. I feel like I'm fitting in. <laughs> Hell yes. I love it. I love it. Like, I, I see, I believed that um, I love you. I'm going to stay in Boston so much more than the Kyrie Irving one. Um, I'll, I'll stay. So, so nice. uh, yeah, I, I, we'll, we'll see. You know, I'm, I love it, Drew. I, that's awesome that I'm unsurprised that uh, you're getting recognized and you're getting the sullies of the world coming up to you, um, hitting, you with, yeah. hitting you with some good comments. Yeah, you've nailed the accent as well I'm very, impressed. very quickly. So that, that's very impressive. Love to see it. Uh, well, look, let's start here, Drew. Jason Tatum got asked this weekend what NBA rule change or what NBA rule he would change rather. And he had a, a pretty hilarious and somewhat topical answer about rescinding technical fouls. Drew, with another somewhat lackluster, let's be honest, lackluster All-Star weekend in the rearview mirror, what would you change about the All-Star game to make it more interesting if you were, uh, as Bill Simmons would put it, sports czar for a day? Fire Kenny Smith. I think that's the... You know, <laughs> that, would, that would definitely help. God damn, man. Uh, no, I mean, look, I, I don't want to pile on. I know he's been getting roasted, but I think rightfully so. Yeah. I think he was, he was pretty bad, especially during that, that Steph Sabrina thing, which was really the only good know, yeah. All-Star weekend. Think about mm-hmm. it. Like, what was good aside from that? The, the dude shooting half-court shots for... 90 seconds total. That wasn't very good. I mean, Damian Lillard winning MVP. I like, so just to give you some perspective on like how I digested the all-star game Sunday night, um, I had to be awake super early, like I said. So I, I went to bed at halftime or at least tried to struggling to sleep. You know, I was, I was thinking about, I was, I was having dreams about banner 18 and riding a duck boat. And uh, Same. I, couldn't get, I couldn't get to sleep. I checked the clock. I'm like, oh, it's 1130 Eastern. It's, the game's probably over by now. Let me just check my phone, see who won. I see East with 211 and Damian Lillard won MVP. And I'm like, is the All-Star game dead? Like, that's yeah. awful. Like, is, yeah. could, there be, could there be a, a less interesting outcome than that? Um, especially, you know, how, how, I would have given it to Halliburton. Just stop the count. Know, yeah. Like four minutes in when he had 15 points in 92 seconds. Just give it to him. Um, so anyway, I think it, it was disappointing. I, I was bummed about it. Um, I think it has potential to be really good. I'm not one of these guys who's like, oh, you know, it's a, it's a Travis. I saw Bob Ryan from the Globe. Sure, yeah. He's oh, yeah. like, oh, my. Like, he basically wants these guys behind bars because they don't play <laughs> our game. I'm not that aggressive about it, but I do think there's, there's probably a way to incentivize winning that would make this more interesting. Maybe do it. Uh, tournament style like they do with the rising stars i thought that was great you know i, I guess i should, should correct myself i thought that was really fun mm-hmm. the rising stars with the g league team making a little run and beating the loaded team pow um anytime pow loses we like that of in course of course Celtics culture mm-hmm. but you know i think there's got to be some way they can do it with the all-star game and the good news is number one adam silver seemed pissed and number two <laughs> he is he's not the kind of guy who's like afraid to make Big time changes, right? We've seen it with the play-in. We've seen it with the in-season tournament. We've seen it with the Elam ending in the All-Star game, like a televised draft. Remember when there was a time when it seemed like the televised draft, you mentioned Bill Simmons earlier. It's like, that's Bill Simmons' wet dream, but it would never happen, right? That's uh-huh. crazy. Crazy idea. Great idea, but <laughs> yeah. crazy. And then they did it. Um, and then they actually stopped doing it because people were like, this isn't that great anyway. All that to say, I think Silver is willing to take big swings and he seemed like he was ready for a huge change last night. So. We'll see. I, I have a lot of faith in him. Yeah, Jake, you got anything in mind? Well, I know in in the first of the floor Discord, uh, we've been talking about it for the last twenty four hours, trying to figure out 
a way to to improve it. I know, Ben, you've been on like you give home court advantage to either the East or the West, whoever wins it. Which why not? So it's okay. the most simple answer. Right? They, he's, they, yeah. they do in baseball. Yeah, but here's the problem. Boston Celtics this year on pace to win 65 games and probably clear the West as well by four or five games. Imagine East loses last night and we end up having to play the Clippers and Nuggets, whatever, and we're six games clear of them in the standings, but then the Nuggets end up getting home court advantage because they won this all-star tournament, all-star game. That would That's the only thing. Um we is that not spicy? They should have played harder. I know. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Is that not like super fucking spicy? Like, yeah. you know, you know what I mean? Like, if if you're the best team in the league that's gonna have like a real gripe about not having home court, if you're that far ahead of the pack, you should have multiple all stars, right? And then those guys have to give a shit. And and mm. maybe maybe if you're Trey Young, right? And you're like, I hate the Celtics. F those guys. I'm gonna tank this game so they don't get home court advantage. Maybe that adds a, an interesting yeah. wrinkle. But, I mean, if you care about the All-Star game, you got to do something, right? And th- there's always going to be a but there. It's always going to be like, well, do we really want to put that much emphasis? We, you can't have it both ways. Like, sure. you want it to be a real game or not. So, I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And in that, yeah. in that scenario, it'd say it's Jason Tatum, the, the best player on the best team in the East at that point. He's the, the captain of the East. He's doing the draft. He gets to decide, who do I want to come and help me ensure that I've got home court advantage in the yes. finals? I think that, that adds a spicy wrinkle to the draft. What about this, though, Jake and Drew? What about players on the winning team get plus five games on their 65-game eligibility counter so Tyrese Halliburton he's I think like skirting the, the the boundaries there as far as like whether or not he'll be eligible for all NBA and subsequently lots of additional millions of dollars if he get if he wins the game he gets plus five on his counter there and becomes re-eligible for said millions of dollars I think that's you know a spicy incentive I, I like it yeah I, I like it uh yeah that's that's a good way I was thinking like it would be so hard with the schedule could like the 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 teams that win, maybe you make like the schedule East West against each other only in the game the days after the All Star game, and if your conference wins, you get like an extra day off. Like your all the Eastern Conference games start on Saturday as opposed to Friday, so an extra day off, an extra day to go wherever they want to go for a day. Yeah, I, I or you pay them all five hundred k like you did for the in season tournament. It's yeah. like, and that's and that seems to work, which is shocking to me, considering these. And maybe it doesn't work quite as well because we're not trying to, you know, pay off Luke Cornett's mortgage like we were in the in-season tournament. But uh, <laughs> these guys seem to still care about 500k despite making 40 plus mil. How about uh, you get an extra trip to Miami or Atlanta? You get to trade <laughs> yeah. out like a, a Portland or a Memphis trip for one of those destinations everyone wants to go to. How do you guys feel about the 65 game rule? By the way, are you in favor of that? Uh, we we have a we support the team with the Iron Man Touchwood Jason Tatum who right. seems to be not bound by by such boundaries. So I, I'm largely <laughs> indifferent given that it's irrelevant to our favorite person on the planet Earth, Jason Tatum. Uh, I don't know, Jake. Have you got a, a more I critical like view? I I think I think it should be there should be a limit. Maybe 65 is a tiny bit high, but that's also like it's not that high. And being durable is incredibly valuable. Like. Yeah. Joel Embiid, even before he had got injured, the, the Sixers were seven, three and seven in the 10 games he'd missed or something. It's like, if you play all those games, you're going to most likely win those games. There's a like legit, it's just like a very tangible value. Yeah. If you're on the court, it's very valuable. 
maybe 65 is a little too high, but I, I, I like that there's a cutoff. Um, and then I'm like, and people are like, oh, Tyrese Halliburton's going to miss out on the Supermax. Again, I'm not crying too many tears. World's smallest violin for Yeah, Tyrese. I'm like, oh no, the, the 200 versus $300 million contract, I'm yeah. not too worried about that. So yeah, um, play maybe that you alter, like alter where it's like if, you're, if it's one injury that you miss for 10 in a row, it caps at like five for the same injury yeah. or something like that. But I don't know. What do you think, Trey? I, you know, I don't know. I go back and forth on it. I think it's a good idea. Kind of ham-fisted execution with, with just the raw number. I, I do agree, though, Jake. I like how simple it is to follow. Um, but the thing is, the NBA is already adjudicating whether injuries are real or not. Like, they're handing out fines in this new load management mm-hmm. program they're doing or player participation program. So if you're going to do that, then why can't you extend that same jurisdiction to the 65 game rule, especially if it is going to affect guys contracts, which that is another rule, by the way, that I think needs to be changed. Sure. Like if you're Tyrese Halliburton, you're already signed. I, I'm just I'm kind yeah. of confused by the mechanics of that rule. Um, and I think it was put in place for, let's be honest, a guy who was an exception in, in Derrick Rose. Like that dude was an outlier. It's very rare. A guy will win an MVP when he's what 21 or 22. So, you know, I, I think um I think they have some tweaking to do with that. And I think the same thing could be said for the all-star game. And maybe, I mean, maybe that five game thing is, is a good idea, like toward the 65 game limit. I just feel like then you're kind of, you're taking a step forward and two steps back. Cause you're sort of undercutting another one of your like inventions yeah. this year. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Maybe there'll be like exceptions like there are with the cap. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Personality or injury specific or, or team specific exceptions, um, you know, based on injury <laughs> history or injury severity or um, the way in which your injury came about. Uh, well, I'm, not, I'm not sure. It, not to like get too sidetracked on this, but I remember when we were playing Philly, we were at Philly. It was like mid-November and uh, Embiid was questionable, like really mm-hmm. questionable. <laughs> and I actually can't remember if he ended up playing. I don't think he did. I think he missed that game. And um, I, I basically hunted down Brad Stevens in the tunnel, like cornered him, accosted him. And I was like, can you explain the, the player participation rule to me so we can explain it to the viewer tonight? Because it seems like nothing has changed. Like, are they going to get fined for this? How does this uh-huh. work? Um, and Brad is probably the wrong person to ask for, about that generally because our guys don't sit. Like, we don't have anybody who really manages their load aside from uh, – aside from Chris stops Porzingis. And, you know, I think, but see, that's, that's the thing is like, I don't know how this works. He has a really checkered injury history. Yeah. So does that, does that lower the bar for, you know, what has to happen before they get fined? Nobody understands yeah. the, the player. <laughs> I don't even think the teams do like, you just can't write DNP old, like pop did that one time for, <laughs> I think that's the only thing we know. <laughs> I love DNP old. I wanted the Heat too. They did like DNP for like Carl Larry and Kevin Love to get some younger guys. I forget. It was a very yeah. creative way to do it. Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, the Celtics aren't a team that typically really has has to worry about this. Um, yeah, look, and they, they just need they, like they're trying to get you know these star players to play. But if you're Kawhi, it's like why would you why why would you push it when I'm I'm someone who hasn't been able to play like a full season in like four years. Like why? And now he has an adductor injury and is that because, and then, and then you've got the fucking, the, the piece of research that the NBA did that like back-to-backs don't impact injury. It's like, sure. Like, I don't know, man, I'm not a scientist, which 
everybody here is very aware of. Um, but like, <laughs> I don't know, the more you, the more basketball the play you play, the more likely you are to get injured. It feels like pretty sound logic. And like the, the NBA led research shockingly said that, yeah, you know, like, but like we watch it with our own teams, like guys that play on back to backs, like the odds, the, the lines for betting are lower teams like don't perform quite as well. Like the Celtics are like one of the best teams in the league at like 15 and four or something over the last two seasons on back to backs. Yeah. But like, that's because they have a bunch of young guys that are awesome. It's like, anyway, we can- <laughs> well, yeah, there's, there's too much meat on that bone. But yeah. they, I mean, the NBA has like a serious issue as, as they've addressed with guys not caring about whether it's a regular season game or the all-star game, whatever it is, like that's a problem. And how do you get guys to give a shit again? I mean, there's a, a video circulating from, the All-Star game like 20 years ago where mm. Kobe and Stefan Marbury are going back and forth and it's competitive and it's fun and it's intense. It's like, how do we get that to happen again? Mm. Is this just soft-ass generation or what? I don't <laughs> well, know. I think, I think I saw on Twitter today, like, it's this is LeBron's fault. This is LeBron's fault for the friendification of the NBA. Uh, I also saw, um, what, Nick Wright, he was, you know, the uh, stop me though, you know, the worst person you know makes a, a comment that you agree with. But, You're kind of uh, like the Australian Nick Wright, Jake. I think <laughs> that's. I, I'll I'll do it, dude. I'll be the Australian Nick Wright. Um, but he was basically saying, like, rings culture has effectively that's like a flow on effect of this, right? Like everybody's like. The Celtics have won more playoff games than any other team in the NBA over the past six seasons, which. Is cool. Also hurts that we've won so many playoff games and not won a title. But um, like th- it, the easiest way to clown the Celtics, you know, for likes and whatever is like they can't get over the hump. Uh, they're not clutch, et cetera, et cetera. But like there's no value placed on like real success in the NBA. Like that's really hard to do. Like Jalen and Jason yes. have like the most playoff wins under a certain age and they're kind of penalized for it. You know, Joel Embiid, we do it on this podcast, can't get out of the second round, but like no matter what he does in the regular season, 73 po- 70 points, whatever it is, it's always diminished because it's regular season. And then that flows onto the, to the all-star game. It's almost like tall poppy syndrome, Ben in Australia. True. Like we have this thing in our culture. Where it's like tall poppy syndrome. As soon as one person like tries tries to be different or cool or, or try something it's like in our culture to be like look at this fucking dude like trying um yeah. and which piece of shit. yeah and and like it's kind of like it's kind of like the all-star game like if someone had gone out there and like tried yeah. on defense up possession after possession everybody would have made fun of them and it's dude, like it's so so, right. so, so right. i don't know how you fix it exactly but yeah do you do you remember when um when there was that video off-season workout Joakim Noah and Devin Booker yes. were playing. <laughs> yes. Together, right. And Book's like, we're not doubling in this. And Joakim's like, yeah, we are. Yeah. Yeah, we are. It's like, Joakim Noah is a relic, dude. He's a blast from the past. It, guys like that just don't seem to really exist anymore. And but one little sidebar on what you just said. I know I'm, we're throwing out the rundown here. Sorry, Ben. But <laughs> it's not uh, good. <laughs> I'm so sick of the discourse around the Celtics being like they can't perform in the playoffs. I'm like, That's was insane. I dreaming when they were in the finals two years ago and they were in game seven of the Eastern Conference finals last year? I know like sort of got popped in the mouth by Miami and that was embarrassing. And I know game seven was really disappointing last year, but they were one win away from going back to the finals for a second consecutive year. And it seems like all I hear is like, why can't Jason Tatum win MVP? Oh, because he hasn't won an NBA championship. So nobody trusts him. Um, why are we worried about the Celtics late game offense? Oh, we've seen it so many times on the playoffs. How many teams win a championship every year? 
One. <laughs> really hard to do. And by the way, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are in their mid-20s. When did yeah. LeBron win his first? When did Jalen Brown win his first? I'm just so sick of this idea that like the Celtics choke and shit down their legs in the playoffs every year. It's just not true. <laughs> Yep. Hey, hey, dude, you're, you're, you well, came well, to the right place. Welcome yeah. to the club. It's, it's, honestly, um, Drew, it's, it's very endearing to see that you're like fully indoctrinated into the, the, the like yes. lifelong frustrations of, of current Celtics fans. So uh, it's really, really good to see. It's, um, yeah. Go ahead, Jake. I'll, say, I'll make one comment and then we'll move on. But like, it, it, is, really, it is really just a, a purely a victim of their own success. Like, yes. Like them being the one seed and Brad and Danny doing an awesome job early and Tatum going to the conference finals and Jalen going to the conference finals at that age has completely fucked up the discourse around them because it's just like, like, like Steph Curry, like the, the Warriors barely got out of the first round until he was like 25, you know? And, and so, yeah, it, th- there's nothing they can do about it really besides, besides when the good thing is like, it doesn't obviously like really impact them and all they continue to do is get better. And so like, look, it's just, they've got the blinders on, but I do, I do feel kind of like this uh, uh, on a regular basis. Um, I feel like Jon Snow in, in Game of Thrones every day. <laughs> this is greedy right. every day on Twitter. On Good Twitter, video. dude. Yeah. Greedy and me just going to war every day about um, the misinformation on, on Twitter, but right, we'll, we'll, we'll jump back to the all-star game and then we'll, and then we'll get into what we want to see from the Celtics uh, for the rest of the season but we'll do a quick draft here favorite or least favorite things from the all-star weekend i feel like we probably covered the the effort a- uh, aspect but draw let you go first what was like what was your favorite thing from all-star weekend mm. well see because i have the first pick here and it's a celtics podcast i feel like i have to take the oh. the left the left-handed jalen brown dunk with the, oh. uh, the board <laughs> There's layers to it, guys. There's layers to it. Michael Jackson's from Indiana. You know, Jalen Brown, we know about the discourse around his left hand. I just think that it's really refreshing when people just take a narrative on head on. You know, like for Jalen Brown, I don't even know if he's ever talked about the fact that he knows people think he can't dribble with his left hand. But he basically came out and said, I hear you. F you to <laughs> watch this, you know? <laughs> um, and so I really like that. Plus the fact that he was in it at all, I think is really yes. cool. So um, that's going to be my first pick. Love it. Yeah. And, and of course, Love Michael it. Jackson is from Gary, Indiana. Is that a dig at Gary Washburn? Oh. Who's to say? Certainly not me. <laughs> but yes. it's, there. it's there for the conspiracy theorists. Uh, I'll see who's, colleague. who's next? Is it, is it me or you? Um, I'll go. I'll, I'll, I'll take the, I'll take the reins here. Uh, you mentioned it earlier. Sabrina versus Steph was easily mm. like the best event and the three point contest in general is the best event now because everybody tries and that's, that's all we care about as sports fan is competition. And the Steph versus Sabrina thing was legitimately sick. I thought it was awesome. I was like really locked in. I, I bet on Sabrina, um, cause I'm a psychopath, but, um, she and she and she did really well, man. Like I would love to see that be like a staple of the of the All Star game going forward. Like maybe um, maybe it's like Dame and Steph versus Caitlin Clark and Sabrina yeah. once Caitlin Clark comes into the league or something like that. Because because then then it's like legit. Like people care about it um, for a variety of reasons, and both both um, you know competitors are really into it, and that and that's all we want. And so that for me was easily number one. 
Yeah, definitely, like you said, Drew, ruined slightly, uh, not to put the words in your mouth, but by, by Ken of the Jet Smith. He, it's just his, his take on the situation, his, the narrative that he constructed there uh, was just unwelcome and uh, there seemed like a, a huge lack of awareness um, from his part. But certainly that moment, it felt like it was a huge bringing together of a more collective um, like cohort of basketball fans um, yeah. just and like the whole shoot or shoot mentality it doesn't matter like what league you play for what level you are what your walk in life is like if you can shoot the fucking ball then like you yeah. can go up against anyone including Steph Curry so that was awesome to see my 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 favorite moment that I'll, I'll take is, is definitely Jason Tatum beating Larry Bird which is just so good there were not en- enough tissues in my house to dry my <laughs> eyes after after the right, your eyes? tears okay. that I cried <laughs> thanks okay. thanks Um, And here's what Jason Tatum had to say after that moment. He was in the locker room before the game. Him, um, Adam Silver, and Dr. J, they were talking to us. And, you know, once they got done, I thought I was going to be able to shake his hand. I turned around and he was gone. And I was, I remember I was saying, I was like, man, I never met Larry Bird. I've never been in the same room as him. Um, As crazy as that sounds, it's it's never worked out. So Taylor, our PR girl, saw him before I was sitting on the sideline and she grabbed me. She was like, he's over there. And I got a chance to go meet him and tell him how, you know, much of an honor it was to meet him. And, uh, you know, he told me he was looking forward to meeting me. So that was crazy to hear him say that. Uh, He's a lot taller than I thought he was. But obviously what he means to the game, what he means to the city of Boston and the Celtics and you know, he's the ultimate Celtic, so it was a, it was an honor to meet him. Any thoughts, Drew, on, on those two greats meeting each other? Yeah, I guess, I mean, this is like a dead giveaway that I'm kind of new here. Um, I had no <laughs> idea that they had never met. Was Same. that common knowledge? I don't think so. So, yeah, I, I kind of knew, but like, and then again, back to the Jon Snow meme, like Celtics fans can't have nice things because like as, as soon as that happens, everybody's like, what does this mean? Is this like- Oh, it's a big problem. Yeah, it's you like- know, Larry Bird. Larry Bird didn't even- Yeah, he, Larry Bird didn't even go to the top 75 players of all time thing. He doesn't go to anything. He doesn't leave Indiana. That's the yeah. only reason he came to anything was because he was in Indiana. Um, yeah, so I knew that. It was funny. Tatum talking about meeting Larry Bird is like, was like what it would be like if I was to meet Tatum. Like my mom was like, he's over there. Tatum, it's it's an honor to meet you. Much taller than I would think in real life. I think the only difference is he'd be like, oh, I was really looking forward to meeting you too. Maybe then. We have received a couple of likes and a couple of tweets here and there, but you know. Um, so uh, same, same, same. Larry Bird, Jason Tatum, first of floor, Jason Tatum. What do you think they, they said to each other? Was it like the MJ, Larry yeah. Bird? <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, yeah. Talk to you. <laughs> I, I can you, think, can like, you imagine? Go win, yeah. Go win, a, go win a chip, and then we can talk about you being a tough yeah. high Celtic. But hey, um, I think it's cool that, you know, they're meeting for the first time. It feels, I don't know. I mean, I tweeted this out. What what do you believe in this shit or not? But I mean, it feels like a good omen. Like it feels like kind of like the passing of a torch. I wanted to tweet that, you know, JT has been touched by basketball Jesus now, but I thought my dad would get mad about (laughs) the religious imagery. So instead I, I Photoshopped (laughs) the uh, creation of man painting by Michael. Probably even more sacrilegious, but whatever. Um, It's, it's cool. And, you know, I, I hope that like Larry Bird seems like kind of a, a recluse anyway. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do think the Celtics have done a really great and deliberate job of involving alumni this year. That was a huge story in the preseason. I think it's continued during the season. So who knows? Maybe they can get Larry back in the fold. I think I think that'd be cool. I'd like to meet him. Shit. Oh. Come to the garden, please. 
Yes. I have been to the Sistine yeah. Chapel, by the way, <laughs> and can confirm that this is on the ceiling. Uh, so, very, very good to see. Well done. Well done. Uh, <laughs> Made that in Snapchat, fellas. Made that in Snapchat. Don't even have That's, Photoshop. Okay. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, modern skills for a modern man. Uh, least favorite moment of the of the All-Star Weekend, Drew? Oh, my God. I mean, where do you, I mean, where do you even begin? You know, I think, I think Damian Lillard winning MVP. I'm just not a, just not a fan. Just not a fan. I, I think the the collective, you know, circle jerk for Damian Lillard's loyalty in Portland was yeah. completely out, out of control for me. I'm like, he made a crap ton of money and still demanded a trade and never won anything anyway. And I think a lot of that is a reflection on him. Um, so I'm just not a, a fan of, of Damian Lillard generally. Um, I think he's a great player, but it's just boring when he wins the MVP. Also, it's funny that, I mean, this is like an honorable mention here. Carl Anthony Towns scores 50 in a loss. That was so again. funny. Yeah. <laughs> you 31 in the fourth quarter and they lost. It's like, oh, my God. No wonder Bob Ryan was seething when he said that. <laughs> that was like Carl Anthony Towns, the modern generation personified. Yeah, man, that's why like the alt cast was the way to go for me. Like the on night one, it was Vince Carter and Jamal Crawford. And so I didn't actually hear any of the Kenny Smith stuff until afterwards. So I actually yep. enjoyed the whole thing until and until I saw it afterwards. But then like the first half of the All-Star game, I'm watching like the Reggie, uh, Candace, and I'm forgetting the announcer's name off the top of my uh, head. Brian Anderson. Yeah, that's right. And they, they were good, but I was like, the game is it's just boring. So I flipped yeah. over to the alt cast and it was Draymond, Barkley, and Taylor Rooks. And I mean, they had their own uh, moments of political incorrectness. <laughs> they uh, did. They certainly uh, did. <laughs> oh man. But like, they, but they, they were like, it was like, it was similar to like the, the podcast, like vibe. They were just like talking shit. And, um, like, uh, yeah, Draymond was like, oh, this is like old times for Carl Anthony Towns in Minnesota. Cat has 50, but they're down 20. It's like, <laughs> this is, so that, that was actually more fun. Um, this is, this is not necessarily our favorite or our least favorite thing, but did you guys see Tyrese Halliburton and his two voices thing? Oh my God. Going around. So I've got, How bizarre is that? So, he, so I've got it, you got it here. Long after P and those guys left and Zabonis is a great player and they had other guys, but like, I think for the more casual basketball fan, it wasn't appealing you know like yeah post basketball is not appealing unless it's Jokic or joel or shaq you know what dude i, mean? I was what listening is that? to jj reddick so he went on jj reddick's What's podcast and i'm like oh they fucked up the mic like yeah. nice job tommy alter <laughs> and then i i saw it, it happens every time it's, it's like he says he can't control it i've never crazy. seen that yeah it's like tourette's but like voice up and down it's insane I, I, yeah i've seen speculation that there's like a septum issue like maybe right. he needs to go see like a, a sinus doctor or something like that because uh yeah that, that that shit's not right yeah that's the wow. walkthrough I'm a, I'm a big fan of tyrese hey real He's quick awesome. on the uh the alt cast stuff yeah a couple things number one the the twitter discourse maybe this was actually my favorite part of the night the twitter discourse around the alt cast was hysterical yeah i saw someone like that line draymond said was pretty funny but someone said um <laughs> Draymond sees Taylor Rooks and starts yeah. acting like Dave Chappelle. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, he he came back and he was like he he stumbled his way through like uh, I usually have to hang out with Ernie, but you're nicer and prettier. I was like, dude, uh, yeah, just like, leave, yeah. pull a lady, uh, leave her, pour cold water on this guy. Yeah. Leave her alone. <laughs> on, a, on a more serious note, the the San Francisco oh, hate to terrible. me is out of pocket. I yeah. I had never been to San Francisco until after COVID. I, the first time I went was yeah. Um, last may and 
So I mean, I've never saw it before and everyone says it was way better before the pandemic, but I think it's still awesome. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. there are people who are down on their luck everywhere. Of course. Uh, and, and, and they're also still human beings. So that, I mean, I think that goes without saying, but uh, oh, I thought that was, was pretty lame. And same, same awesome. for Indy. Indy's cool. We spent a lot of time in Indy this year yeah. and I liked it. So. Yeah, too many kafors from the announcing for an All Star Weekend for people at hey. that level of the game. <laughs> also, like the fact that Draymond Green has been suspended all year and then he's like in the middle of everything is is just like, oh man, positive reinforcement for for that guy. That that's what we need. Uh, he's gonna, I don't know what is he's gonna elbow Jason Tatum in the back of the head the next time they, they play now. <laughs> you got a least favorite moment, Jake? Did we get you already? Oh, uh, no, I think we can leave it on on Tyrese, and then we'll let's let's let's. Let's move well, on. Can, can I just add the, the glaring yeah. lack of Derek White, um, yeah. which was notable to me, especially in a game that um, was not particularly interesting to a large group of people. You add some Derek White, suddenly you've got the hustle, the tenacity, um, the drive to win and make things interesting and um, compel us all with these beautiful smile. There was a glaring lack of Derek White in Always. this game. So I think, you know, this is hopefully the last time he's not named an all-star. But we do have to talk about... The Jalen Brown dunk contest, we'd be remiss not to because obviously great current Boston Celtic as we run uh, highlights of the dunks here on YouTube for the audio listeners. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, I guess like an, it was it was a pretty underwhelming experience there. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, Drew, it was exciting to have one of our guys in the dunk contest, but just objectively the dunks were nothing to write home about. Did you take anything positive away from the Jalen Brown dunk contest experience? Well, I, th- I mean, we're showing the, the Terrence Clark jersey. I thought that, that was, was pretty sick. touching. Mm-hmm. And that was really cool. I mean, obviously with the Boston connection, Terrence, you know, being from Dorchester. And I, th- I thought that was that was a really nice touch from JB. And it, it's, it's again, he is really aware, you know, and that it sounds obvious, but I think his his level of awareness maybe is higher than any other NBA player. Um, so I, I thought that was really neat. The, the left-handed dunk we talked about earlier, um, you know, I, I thought it was funny how like people get people will take any chance they can to to go after the Celtics, yeah. right? Like again, cue up the jib with Johnson. Like that, <laughs> that's just how it is. Um, and so, right. So of course, oh, Jalen Brown like misses a dunk, and here we go again with yeah. with the discourse. You know, it, it's just I, I do think that the dunk contest has lost so much juice, and I saw a few people say like, hey, maybe you know. Jalen Brown, maybe that changes everything. I'm like, it won't. It won't. Sorry to be a cynic, but it's not going to happen. I, I feel like we've had, you know, here and there, a, a big name player like John Wall was in it once. Like it, it happens where a, once in a blue moon, a big name player will do it and nothing changes. Um, so I don't know. It's just such a Debbie Downer. Like the All-Star yeah. game sucks and the, uh, the dunk contest <laughs> sucks. But it's kind of where we are. So, like, Adam Silver, get in the lab, brother. Yeah, dude. Yeah, like, um, things that are, I don't know, that's why whatever the three-point contest, like, that, if that works, then you got to start to reverse engineer it from there. He, yeah. The good thing is with Jalen, he listened to me for the most part. I was like, just stick to, like, windmills, power, nothing too complicated. Just, like, complete your dunks. The Terrence Clark thing was incredible. Um, the, I thought, like, you know, the, they, they changed the Celtics. Firstly, the, the broadcast missed Jalen's first dunk, which, like, what are we- What's going on? What are we doing? What never happened on NBC Sports Boston. Of course not. Never. Of course. <laughs> um, and so, like- like he, I thought the dunks were good. It's he should, but he just went a little, went a little off the tracks. He should have kept the D Brown thing a little more straightforward. Like, yes, J- Jalen just, just, just 
keep it simple and and then the dab afterwards that, that was it was just kind of hilarious that he still tried to do it even after he he dunked it he messed that yeah. up <laughs> um but like i like like the turn like objectively like when they just do the dunks windmills through the legs like they're they're cool i think the expectations have just kind of got out of control for the dunk contest i was at the at the aaron gordon zach levine one in toronto oh. and so like i don't know like if, if you're a dunker just go back and watch the best ones and just like replicate like Dunk from far away. I don't know. Just do the things that people seem to like and go from there. But yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. And that, that's all. That's all really. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it because it was that guy. But I also felt yeah, at the it. same time self-conscious knowing that the majority of the NBA fan base was exactly. not into it. But look, we're going to come right back in a minute and talk about the stretch run for the Boston Celtics. But first, a quick word from our sponsor. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanjul.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. And now, back to the show. So before we get to the upcoming stretch run, Drew, I got to ask because Wick came out and said something along the lines of re- like revealing that a documentary crew is following the Boston Celtics around this season, quote, last dance style, which is probably a poor choice of words. Bad um, choice. Oh, you're obviously close to the team. You're right there. You're you're announcing the majority of uh, or really all of, of away games. Have you noticed this documentary crew around the team at all? Has that stood out as peculiar to you or is there no frame of reference given that it's your first season with the team? Well, it makes a lot of sense that O'Shea Brissett carries a camera around everywhere he goes now. <laughs> maybe, he's, maybe he's part of the documentary crew. I don't know. I mean, I've seen guys filming stuff that looks like for a documentary, but there's also that Netflix show about Jason Tatum, right? True. Right. Um, and so one of the games I saw them filming at, they were playing somebody else who's also featured in that documentary. So I, I, that's what I assumed it was for, but maybe it was for this other thing. Um, here's what I'll say about Wick. I've never met an owner, and I, not like I know that many owners, but I've never seen or met an owner who seems to care as much as he does about the team winning. And I think that's to his credit. I think that colors a lot of the decisions he makes, like spending a buttload of money on oh, yeah. his team. He was on the broadcast when, a couple of days before Christmas when we played the Clippers and smoked them, yep. smoked them at yep. the crib. And then they obviously got revenge a little bit later. <laughs> but we smoked them on December 23rd. And Wick came on the show in the second quarter with Donald Faison, of all people, um, of Scrubs fame and T-Mobile commercials fame. Those guys are collaborating on a new NBC sitcom. So anyway, all that to say, Wick was on the broadcast and a guy landed, a guy like went under Tatum twice. Yes. Um, got a, I think there was a flagrant issue and Wick was like pissed. Like I thought Wick was going to jump down from the concourse <laughs> and fight like Marcus Morris or whoever it was. <laughs> so Wick, Wick definitely cares a lot, but you're probably right, Ben. That is maybe not the best word choice. Yeah, no. <laughs> Look. As you said, Wick's spending a lot of money. He's just trying to make new revenue streams here. He's like, I got a lot of tax bills coming in the next couple yeah. of years. We got to get, as soon as that show comes out with um, the Scrubs guy, we all got to have that thing just playing 
in the background and it's just we're gonna get that thing syndicated this documentary I, there's so many cameras around these guys all the time like i'm not surprised that you like you wouldn't notice like any yeah. difference like they all like like tatum has brett hampton and a lot of them have like their own guys anyway so mm-hmm. like i don't even know how, like how different it would it would be but yeah not the best choice of words i'm um it's gonna look is sick a, they win is this a celtics produced documentary or is it someone else? I, I get the sense it's like uh, we'll let you in behind closed doors. So I think there's an outside production crew. I'm totally speculating here. It's similar to The Last Dance where it's like an independent company producing it funded by Netflix. And then they're allowed in beyond closed doors to uh, saw the pilot. It was pretty bad. Well, that doesn't bode well for everybody <laughs> I've just said, DJ Daniel. Uh, Thank you, though. Hey, DJ, was it worse than the All-Star game? No. <laughs> would you rather watch? And I, we I all think- watch that. So yeah. Yeah, I think the bar's low. Yeah. I'm hoping that that's the uh, the sitcom show, not the documentary show. Oh, yeah. Definitely yeah, the sitcom. That's, that's a good point. <laughs> Scrubs um, hey, guy, as you called him. Yeah. My while bad. we're on the topic of, of documentaries, you see what I'm wearing here? My NBC Paris 2020. Oh, oh, hell yeah. So, so NBC Sports Boston, of course, an NBC station. That's where I got this. I don't, I can't reveal, I think, anything beyond this, but I'm just going to say make sure you're following us on social media, NBC Sports Boston and the Celtic specific account. There is there's a project in the works. Okay. That is I have not been this excited about something in a long, long time. It is a documentary style feature, and people are going to love it. Guarantee. Wow. Guarantee. So keep an eye. I think later in the spring we're gonna be announcing. Okay. Okay. We're getting scoops here, Drew. This is uh, we will, we will be there. Yeah. Whatever it is, we <laughs> we'll will keep be an eye there. on that. That sounds yeah. amazing. As uh, as just rabid uh, content consumers of all things basketball and sports, and, and certainly Celtics as well. That sounds really exciting. Uh, Jake, do you want to do you want to tee us up yeah, yeah. for the, the final segment here? All right. Final stretch. Less than thirty games left. Celtics are up to a ninety-eight percent chance of securing the one seed in the East via playoffs. Holy shit! Really? Yeah, yeah via, via playoffstatus.com. Um, okay. Like our schedule's gotten easy. Six-game lead is like insanely difficult to yeah. come back from with that amount of time left. Like, if we kept up the same pace, the Cavs would have to go undefeated pretty much in order to catch us. Um, and even if we drop off, it's going to be really hard because we also have the tiebreaker against the Cavs. Uh, anyway, final stretch. It's going to be relatively difficult, I think, to manufacture like high level like effort at times. I think just but like human nature. Um, yeah. So, but like, what do we want to see, kind of as a collective or individually? Uh, I'll start with Tatum. I. Personally, have loved the playmaking leap that we've seen in the past like 10 games or so, averaging seven assists per game on the over the last nine, up to 4.8 on the season, inching closer to our, yes, our first Jason Tatum five assist season, which um, would be awesome. Like last 10 games, he's at 29, eight and seven, which is just absurd play. So for me, Tatum, it's the playmaking and specifically the short roll passing because if he's got that nailed for the playoffs, gets the offense going. We get ourselves out of the mud in like tight spots. For me, Tatum, can we have this playmaking leap hold? Jake, will you um will you say that stat line over that that recent stretch again cuz it, it made me hot. I want to hear it again. <laughs> say it slowly. <laughs> it's it's 29, 8, <laughs> 29, 8, and 7 over his last nine and oh. shooting 51, 36, oh. 91. So, yeah, everybody. Yeah. Happy no, one's, no one stand up. <laughs> 
Oh, <laughs> <laughs> crazy that it would be his first uh, five assist season. Yeah. Mm. You know, what I want to see from him is, and I think you've done a really good job on social media highlighting this, guys. Uh, his defense is really freaking good and uh, pretty underrated, I think, at this point of his career. I, you know, when he first came into the league, and he was not the first option on the team. I think he got more credit as a defender, somewhat, you know, ironically. Now that he's the first guy, the, the conversation starts and ends with his offense. But I think my favorite Tatum moment of the season actually came in a loss. And it, was, it had nothing to do with offense. It was when he, he clamped Shea Gilgis-Alexander in the fourth quarter after yeah. he was cooking us for the first three quarters. And cooking good defenders, too. Like, D.Y. and Drew Holiday, the best defensive backcourt in the league. But Shea's just so slippery and mm-hmm. crafty. You need to put size on him. And I thought when, when Tatum took that assignment, I was really impressed. And I was like, hey, there's, there's reason number 35 why it's different this year. Um, it just seems like those guys, he and, and Jalen, are just really willing to do what's necessary to win. It doesn't really matter if they score 30. Um, so I, I'd like to see more of that. I think you're right about tough to manufacture effort, but the beauty of our team is these guys actually really like basketball. Like as simple as that sounds, you don't always know that uh, with the stuff we talked about earlier in the show. I think our guys just love to play. Um, And so I think we won't have a problem generating the effort. The only thing we might see is guys resting a little bit more because, you know, I think the biggest concern is health, especially with a history like with KP. Um, But when they're playing, they're going to be playing. That's a guarantee. People want to hear nicknames as well. So I'll say as I, I circle back on some Tatum stuff, Big Juice, Taco J, all, all common nicknames that you know, Drew. So we won't try and hammer those home uh, too hard like we did House Money. But I'll, I'll say the pull up. Big Deuce or big, big Juice? I couldn't tell with your Aussie accent. Big 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 Deuce? Is that, am I mispronouncing deuce? it? Yeah, Deuce. Deuce. <laughs> <laughs> That's a new one. It's, it's a dialect thing, clearly. Uh, <laughs> the, the pull up three, 44.1% in January, 33.3% in the last. Last five games so that that has dropped off a little bit and jake you mentioned it especially That's with regards fine. to the short roll passing the threat of the pull-up three the double like sort of jumping over the screen at yep. jason tatum and opening up that pocket of space for that short roll pass is huge the the threat of the of the pull-up three needs to sort of remain just that a threat for that look to be there for Tatum, uh, you know, it, especially at half court offense in the playoffs, we're looking for little seams like that to open up to to have effective offense when the game slows down a little bit. So for Tatum, that that needs to remain the case. I had a little interaction with yeah, Drew Hamlin on Twitter before we went live here, where we actually he talked about like going in to Boston and, and meeting up with Jason Tatum midway through the season and correcting his the height of his shot pocket. And then since then, you can track the data, the, the percentage of his of his three-point looks from that point onwards have gone up exponentially. So hopefully, uh, maybe we need another visit from Drew Hanlon based on these last five games. Yes. But, um, that, that's a huge stat that I'm looking at trending towards the playoffs. Um, Drew, another Drew, Drew Carter. <laughs> Jalen Brown, obviously another prominent player for the Celtics. Is there something specifically Indeed. from him individually that you're looking for for this final stretch run? Just consistency. Um, you know, there have been stretches this season where it's like, wow, Jalen Brown has taken a huge leap. And then there have been stretches this year, starting with that Clippers loss um, and really going through the all-star break where he just did not look very good. It looked like he was going back to his old habits, you know, oh shit, here we go again, shooting <laughs> low percentage and turning the ball over. And 
probably shooting a little bit more than is necessary. I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts on this. I don't know if you saw, but uh, NBA University is one of my favorite accounts mm-hmm. on Twitter. They put out that the Celtics are like plus 16.6 per 100 when Jalen Brown isn't on the floor. Um, and I found that interesting. You know, th- there's a lot of noise in those numbers. You yes. can never really take them at face value. Like we all love Derek White, but none of us thinks Derek White is the best player in the NBA. As, as great as he is. And he's, he's leading the league. And I mean, I, maybe I think, you do. I think Jake does, but yeah, <laughs> you might. You might. I, uh, I don't want to speak for you, but I think there's a lot of noise in those numbers generally, but I think there is something, there is something there where um, I think when you have both Jays on the floor at once, and this has been a problem, you know, since they became the guys, but, there is a little bit of my my turn, your turn that can happen. I think we're a lot better with that this year than than the team has been in the past. There can be a little bit of that. It can be a little sticky. When one of those guys is out there, I don't worry about it. But when they're both out there, it can be like they're taking turns. And the team is just too good for that. Like, And, and I think 90% of the time, they've been really good about sacrificing and not going into their ISO hero ball type BS. But, you know, you have too many good options to take bad shots. Um, and so that I just want to see a little bit less of that from really both those guys, but specifically Jalen. Yeah, I think that Clippers game, J- Jalen, what I love from him this year was he he's played the best defense of his career this year and he's like made a legit mental focus to make the right play more than he ever has before. And I, to me, it looked like him and Drew Holiday in particular were the two guys that really wore down towards the All-Star break. And yeah. that... Speaks to maybe why that uh, Jalen didn't play in that that Brooklyn game. Um, yeah, those numbers. Um, I, I do get it, and like obviously, like the Brooklyn game, the Celtics go nuts. Jalen Brown doesn't play. How much of that yeah. is because Jalen Brown doesn't play? He also didn't play in that Grizzlies game. They won by forty. Um, but like, I think it, we still would have won those games by yeah, a lot if Jalen had played. I think so. <laughs> and and like like and like this like and the net rating stuff. Obviously, you, you want to combine eye tests and the numbers. Like Jason Tatum, for the first time, really in the last like three or four years, is not like at the elite of the elite of you know EPM and some of these advanced numbers that are kind of catch all. And it's like, okay, well, is Tatum playing worse, or is it like he's actually just That's taking a, a yeah taking a step great. back here? Because last year he was elite across a lot of that stuff, and now he's clearly made a, a change to his approach this season, and so has Jalen. So. I don't know. To, to me, it doesn't matter. What really matters is those those five guys and what do the numbers say when those five guys are together. There is a little bit to it, I think, just the way the ball moves uh, without without Jalen out there because you're you're because then you're, you're probably replacing Jalen with um, Horford a lot of the time and in that in that yeah. in those spots and who's just a great ball mover. But uh, it, when you get to the playoffs. You, like the ball is going to is going to slow down anyway, and yeah. and that's why Jalen Brown historically has been such a good playoff player because the game's about a bucket a lot of the time, and uh, he's able he's able to get those. Yeah, and the, the thing I've got down for JB is just late game reps, and I, I think that and Joe has kind of talked about this in some some of his post game presses is a lot of it is like kind of experimentation for Jalen Brown in these late game like crunch time moments to make sure that he has, if not the full capability, then at least the repetitions and the practice to execute 
in these moments um, because he hasn't always. And a huge part of that is Chris Tapps, Porzingis. And we said it on a recent pod, Jake, but like who would have thought the Latvian oh, Moses, Chris Tapps, Porzingis is the guy who like yeah. comes and brings the best out of our guy, Jalen Brown. And Drew, I have to ask just as a side note, like the name Cookies and Cream, like you're a big nickname guy. We know this. Cookies and Cream gets revealed to the world. I have to imagine that this is your response in because like, you know, just these things, these memes, they write themselves and suddenly this this whole pathway is opened up to you from a broadcast, broadcast perspective rather where you can like take this cookies and cream thing uh, wherever you want to take it. And I think, you know, unfortunately, we haven't had that many road games since then. But like, can you talk about your reaction to the revelation of that nickname or way of thinking of maybe taking it on the broadcast? Well, I sort of felt like, Mark Wahlberg and the other guys like I'm a peacock. You gotta yeah. let me fly. Like yeah. when that when that got revealed, I didn't call another game for like three weeks. <laughs> Crazy. A couple people tweeted at me like Drew waiting to use this on a call. It's like the guy <laughs> Pablo Escobar and Narcos I think sitting yeah. waiting. You know? uh, and so we've had one game, and I think I, I might have said it. And yeah, we we've got some stuff in the holster. Like I don't know. Lactose intolerant. Yeah. There's some, there's <laughs> nice. There we go. In there and uh, milkshakes for everybody, something like that. I think it's cool how the Celtics' official social media presence has really embraced it. Like they yes. made the wallpaper, they decorated the lockers. <sighs> I think our social media team, and I'm not just saying this because like I know those people and travel with them. I'd say this regardless. I think objectively they've been like stepping it up this year. I think you know one of the best, if not the best, in the NBA. And it's really fun to see them like embrace that nickname. It's also awesome that Missoula came up with it. It is cool. Mm-hmm. That that might be my favorite element of the entire thing, because I don't know. I just Missoula's public persona and <laughs> who he is behind the scenes is a little Belichickian. I think he yeah. really and and I've gotten a chance to get to know Joe a little bit. And I'm I'm grateful for that. And it's not like we're best friends, right? It's not like I see. You know, a real different side of him. But I do think You're not doing jujitsu together hasn't called you up for a couple of roles. Yeah, like you know, like scurrying up his back in the, in the <laughs> Kaizen gym there. Yeah, I'm a rainbow belt jujitsu. <laughs> I'm a beginner. I really I kind of want to try it. Actually, I think that could be fun. Give us something to connect on. But, you know, I, I'm, again, I'm not saying like I'm boys with Missoula, but I do feel like because I'm around him, I get the chance to see a little bit different side of him and. You know, I'm not surprised that he came up with that nickname, but I'm glad that everybody else is realizing like, hey, this guy's actually kind of funny and like has a personality and clearly clicks with the team. Um, And those guys are like a microcosm of one of the reasons I think we're going to win the championship is the guys just love each other and love playing with each other. And that's Mm -hmm. obvious. Yeah, they've they've been awesome. I'm I'm a, I'm a tiniest bit concerned we're gonna we're gonna overdo it. So I think this All Star break came at a good time. So it's like, yeah. you, you know what I mean. Um, when but, you say we're gonna overdo it, you mean I'm gonna overdo no. it on the broadcast? Uh, yeah. Do you mean specific Probably. to cookies and cream? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so like as a collect day? as a collective Celtics um, group, like Twitter, um, everywhere. Like I'm I'm just um, I'm just you know we got it's 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 like anything you don't. You gotta, you gotta, and Drew. I mean, you're not better than anybody. You, you, you I'm sure you'll nail the, the balance perfectly. Um, Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the the Porzingis side of it. I mean, yeah. So look, uh, the, the two, uh, the Latvian Moses we came up with because the way that he impacts this Celtics offense, the way that he creates space is essentially 
the same as parting of the Red Sea. Like the, the pick and pops that this guy does, like out to the 30 foot, like Horford can stretch the floor. Porzingis is like another level. The way that teams freak out with his vertical spacing, like, and guys just double team Porzingis and all of a sudden Derek White's got an open lane for a wide open dunk. Yeah. And then our Latvian viewer, uh, Pete here, um, informed us of a Latvian legend, a la, you know, the Greek gods. Uh, the Bear Slayer is um, an historical That's figure. Good. Yeah, historical figure uh, in Latvian lore. Well, here is uh, here he is, the official um, guy, nice. and then the 2024 version. Obviously, thank you. Oh, to, yeah. Of course, it's <laughs> um, Red's number, isn't it? I, look, I, I didn't it's an homage. To, it's an homage yeah. to Red. Yeah. Um, for me, the one thing I would like to see KP work on is his ability to deal with stretch pigs himself. I think, that, and that's just the nature of stretch pigs are hard to deal with, which is why they are so valuable in the NBA. Um, going back to that OKC Thunder game, he's just a little, he's a little in between um, on his contests and his closeouts. I want to see him clean up how he deals with stretch pigs. Sometimes it feels like he's just playing off them a little bit too far. Because I, I mean, he can hang with pretty much any stretch pig. Like I don't think Brooke Lopez is going to him off the dribble or anything like that. So I, I think that he can definitely close out a little bit harder on some of those. So that'd be like an on the court thing from Porzingis. I'd like to see him tighten up just a little bit. But like other than that, man, like it's it's just health. Otherwise, if he's healthy, like I think mean, this team is just so good. It's a good call, Jake. Like uh, you know, the same way that the Celtics are going to relentlessly abuse mismatches on offense, and and they've done that throughout the regular season, specifically with him. Other teams will do that. To us in the playoffs, that's like, it's like the trademark. That's how the game changes is if there's a mismatch, you find something you like, you're going to it until they prove they can stop it. And we've seen elite rim protectors struggle to stay on the floor. I'm thinking about like Rudy Gobert if they can't move around in space. And I think Porzingis is better at that than a Gobert, for example. But I think it is, it's a good call and something to watch out for, especially when you have an elite pick and roll ball handler like Shea in mm-hmm. that game you mentioned. You look at the Eastern Conference, I mean, we run into Brunson, Mitchell, Dame, yeah. Maxi, like Halliburton. <laughs> the yeah. East is loaded with good pick and roll ball handlers. So maybe maybe that is a concern. All guys who we can absolutely cook uh, on their it, end defensively as absolutely. well, which, which, which bodes yes. well. So as we look to try and wrap up here, I think we've all got this energy and excitement like we could just sit and talk Celtics for another hour or two. But, uh, you know, time is, is finite and we do have to wrap up. Drew, who else individually stands out to you as someone that you're highlighting in your mind as like you've got a, a particular focus for them on this stretch run? The new guys, baby. The new guys. I am so... I got to read it. The Latvian story does end up somehow badly. I didn't know. We'll fall in the river to death. Uh-huh. No, no. <laughs> a, a new chapter has been revealed. <laughs> as long as it happens after mid-June. Yeah, as that's right. Fall into whatever river you want after yeah. Banner 18. Yeah, just, just climb out in October again, please. <laughs> yeah. So the, the guys I'm most excited for are the new guys. It's the easy answer, but I'm just, I'm stoked to see. Yeah. Tillman and Springer. Um, I don't have any inside info on when they might play. You know, my my guess is that we'll see them pretty soon after All-Star, at least I hope. Um, I actually think that, you know, Tillman, I think people expect him to play a decent amount, and I think he will, but Springer's the one that's kind of a question mark. I think he might play a decent amount. Um, the guy is super talented. He was one and done at Tennessee, first-round pick. Like, that doesn't – there aren't that many guys. You hear about the really – Famous ones who go one and done and, and get drafted in the first round, but not that many dudes pull it off. Um, and so 
I feel like Springer just ha- just never got a fair shake in Philly, and I don't really understand it. I, I called one of their summer league games uh, this year, and he was super impressive. He was probably the best player on that team. He's also – he seems like a delightful dude. Yes. Um, I, I walked up to him after a game, and this was in Brooklyn, and he was, he was talking to somebody, and I just kind of interrupted. I'm like, hey, man, sorry to bother you, but just want to introduce myself. I'm Drew. I called the games on TV on the road, and he like – I don't know – some some people just have an it factor, and I think you can you can kind of see it in the video where they all get Valentines, like yes. custom Valentines. <laughs> he's the last one in there. He's just got a great smile and a great like energy about him. Um, and so I'm I'm really excited to see him fit in with the the guys. And also, I think he I actually think he will play, and he's going to be a really valuable defender. Like, imagine if th- these are all guys who who don't start like. Jane Springer, Xavier Tillman. I think Pritchard's a pretty good defender, you know, given his his size deficiency. Mm-hmm. Like Namish Kada protecting the rim. Hauser's an underrated defender. We all know why. Like all those guys coming off the bench, pretty damn good defenders. Like there's really no weak link on the team. Yeah, yeah I, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. <laughs> I would love Springer to be. The guy that gets some minutes. I, I have, I, I'm, I'm, we'll see. We'll see. Um, it's hard with the spacing because the spacing yeah. is one of our superpowers and it's, it's going to be tough if you have both those guys on the floor. The thing is, if he's actually able to come in and be like a legit plus plus defender, then he can play because you're going to be surrounded by legit offensive weapons across the board. And like, you know, someone gets into foul trouble, maybe you chuck him on a, a dame or whatever. Um, I hope I hope so. Uh, I'm yeah. I'm I'm like lower on, on on his ability to stay on the floor offensively in the playoffs. But um, I'm yeah I'm huge on on Tillman and and where well, what he can give us. But um, but yeah, I'm just I'm just rooting for the guy to be yeah. honest because you know multiple reasons didn't really get a chance in Philly after they drafted him in the first round. Fuck Philly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> how, great, how, great, how great would it be if? Um, if Springer turns into like a star for the oh Celtics, oh my god, ah, uh, dude, amazing! Brad, Brad, and the Celtics ownership of the Sixers continues. Yes, yes. I'll give the, us, the I'll shot of Ryder like, alone yeah, would be yeah. fantastic. Um, yeah, the, for, for the aura based. Yes, uh, yeah, and you mentioned Tillman. Like, I think uh, playoff wise, just as we look to wrap up here, his ability to to switch on an Al Horford ish level, although hopefully with younger legs. I know we, we've got comments here that uh, you know he, he's got some injury issues of his own, which is is very much the case. You mentioned yeah. Sam Hauser. I think the house trap is underrated. We've, we've talked house money on the show before. The house trap, incredibly underrated just as far as how he can lock guys down uh, sort of unexpectedly <laughs> yeah. uh, given his glaring whiteness. And then Luke Cornett, you know, how will he merge yeah. with this switching ability that Xavier Tillman adds? Luke Cornett, of course, the corn hub, as we call him on the show. Can he be consistently a Cornett positive, a Cornett neutral, <laughs> or will he be a Cornett negative? Uh, it remains to be seen, but I, I, I do I do envision some some minutes for, for Luke Cornett uh, in the playoffs, Jake, particularly uh, if drop coverage is what's needed defensively in a, in a given series. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I do think... If Tillman's healthy, he's going to take all of Luke's minutes. Uh, the like offensively, they're quite similar. Uh, now that Luke doesn't shoot free threes, the biggest difference being uh, Tillman can't shoot free throws. That's really offensively their only difference. But he's like he's really good on the short roll, similar to the corn hub. He's been great with decision making and great passes out of like like that's been awesome. A really underrated offensive player, just the way that he makes quick decisions. But Tillman has 
been good in those spots as well. Um, his shooting numbers are skewed because the Grizzlies' offense has been so bad, but historically, good finisher at the rim, 51% in like floater range, and that's really all you need. And then when you add his like versatility defensively, I think there's a pretty good chance that by the time we get to the playoffs and Tillman's comfortable, we don't see Luke. That'd be my prediction. So he will be a, a Cornet neutral after all. Cornet, yeah. <laughs> All right. Look, uh, we've got to leave it there. Drew, good luck for the remainder of the season, man. This was awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate your time. Great to see you guys. It's always a blast whenever you want. Yeah, likewise. All right, we will hold you to that. All right, we'll be back with another (laughs) pod at the end of the week. Uh, Thanks again for listening or watching. Jake Eisenberg, love your work, mate. Until next time, go Celtics. Go Celtics.